Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast Brief, their weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Molitz. I'm here with Kerry Alaveld, and today we're going to be talking about the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs decision, the Supreme Court's eviscerating of Roe v. Wade and the dramatic consequences it has had on the electoral process. Joining us today for that show to talk about the anniversary of Dobbs is Christina Reynolds, She's our Senior Vice President of Communications and Content at Emily's List, which is the premier uh, organization focused on getting women elected to office. She joined Emily's List after nearly two years, two decades of experience in communications and research strategy from all over the place, including the White House. So, Christina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Love talking to you guys. So, Carrie, you've been all over this issue, and I, I so have I, because how can we avoid this issue? We've been talking about it a lot, but I want to let you take the lead here, because this is this is your baby. You know this better than anybody else I know, and maybe well, except I'm, for Christina. <laughs> yeah, no, not better than Christina, but between Marcos and I, I know it better. <laughs> I'm the expert among the two of us. So there you go. So I tell you what, I just just seeing you reminded me of the last time we had you on, which was before the election, before yep. last year's uh, midterm. And what and just humorously, one of the things we talked about was the uh, messaging idea of of how we we had get where we we had given Senator Amy Klobuchar some props for coming up with, you know, we're looking at these polls and uh, it looks like American women don't want Republicans and people like Ted Cruz involved in their uh, in their reproductive decisions. Indeed. So looking back at last year's uh, results, Christina, do you think that American women wanted? Candidates like Ted Cruz involved in their reproductive and bedroom decisions. I think this American woman did not, and I think that, um, and I think that what we learned was absolutely not. They didn't. Um, and I can we we actually have research that shows this, right? It's not just their own gut feeling, and and by the way, that gut feeling is strong. Um, and election and, results, and election yeah. results. We have election results, and and as I think we talked about last year, and we all knew we were facing a red wave, right? All of the deck was stacked against us, and this is this decision was a terrible thing for access. It was a terrible thing um, in terms of our rights and in terms of of the impact. Um, but electorally, this was the thing that made the difference for Democrats. And um, what we saw was it pulled out and it was an incredibly important um, issue for voters of color, for young voters, for women. Um, and, and that's something, those are the people who don't always come out in midterms and who came out and they voted for the Democratic candidate because by the way, those are the ones who are pro-choice. And so they knew, they understood um, because groups like Emily's List and, and the candidates told them, we will support your rights. And the other guys tried to run away from the issue, but we also told them they are ripping away your rights. And voters saw a very clear contrast and they opted against Ted Cruz in their doctor's office um, and good for them, right? Um, 
And so places where that that issue really landed, um, and in particular places where they knew it would have an impact. So, you know, there were some places, New York and California, where people maybe felt more secure in their rights. Um, and I would argue, by the way, we should not feel secure in our rights, right? A national abortion ban is their goal. Um, we know that. They will try and hide from it, but that is their goal. And so we've got to win back the House. We've got to protect the Senate. We've got to keep the White House. All of those things are critical, um, even if you feel very good about your state legislature. And if you do, good for you. I live in North Carolina, and we just passed another abortion ban. And yeah. so so, um, so this is my long-winded way of saying, yep, we were right and good for us. But also, um, you know, we have seen where it makes a difference. And we saw some victories. Um, Carrie, I know you know, you know, Michigan and Minnesota, where we won trifectas. Um, look what they've done, right? It's there. You go. Um, not that I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Michigan hat, a, a University of Michigan hat today for our for our pod pod listeners. So go blue, but also go Michigan. Yeah, yeah. But also go Michigan. Um, go Minnesota. You know, go New Mexico, where once Michelle Lujan Grisham, Governor Lujan Grisham, had a pro-choice majority, they codified abortion rights, right? They got rid of an, an old ban in Colorado, Jared Polis. I, look, I can even talk about the men. Um, uh, Jared <laughs> Polis um, signed a bill because that, that Colorado legislature passed one that codified abortion rights. And so these are things, um, we have seen good things happen when candidates vote. We've seen us be able to prevent bad things. Um, and now we just need to win back more seats. We've had this long running theme or a theory on the show and on Daily Coast that that both the issues of democracy and Donald Trump, obviously, but also the issues of abortion were the two twin issues that were coming to completely reshape the electoral picture, uh, particularly with suburban white college educated women, but maybe even some of those men out there mm -hmm. uh, and in activating, like you said, activating low propensity voters. And we definitely saw that happen in 2022 which should have been a low turnout election, and it, and it wasn't in a lot of ways because of this, these two twin issues. Nothing's changed ahead of 2024. And in fact, Republicans seem to be doubling down. Ron DeSantis, who for a while seemed to be avoiding the issue of abortion, suddenly you know, signed one of the most restrictive ones. What is it, six weeks? Yes. And you know, they don't want to talk about it. And you, you see people like Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott on the campaign trail, still struggling to answer questions about abortion. And they'll do things like the voters care about mm -hmm. inflation or whatever. Right. But clearly, that's the issue. That's one of the issues that's driving the question. Do you see any tapering, any drop off in the intensity of, and salience of the abortion issue heading into 2024? I don't, but I will tell you that it will still take an investment, right? We still have to remind voters. Now, you know, the reality is you're right, right? The Republicans, they are caught in this bind where they know they want to ban abortion. They want to keep the actions going. They want to try and hide that from voters. And there's and, and for the ones running um, in the Republican primary for president, they want to win those primary voters. So we're yeah. going to continue to see Republicans take action. We're going to continue to see them try and make it harder to access abortion. We've seen what's happening um, with the court case around Mifepristone, right? They're going to continue to take action. Um, and we're going to continue to lift that up. And hopefully... What, what, what is that court case? You mentioned the court case. I don't 
That's I'm sorry. Medication, uh, medication, abortion, um, which is safe. It is um, remarkably, I mean, safer than some things that that we all think of as incredibly safe. Um, It is incredibly safe. um, And uh, they, you know, court shopped, right, to get um, uh, a jurisdiction um, that would hopefully overturn it. And they are trying to- Jurisdiction, yeah, Fifth Circuit, which just- just by the way, happens to be in uh, Ted Cruz's territory down there. So <laughs> yes, yes, Ted Cruz still, yes, still getting in there, you know, that mythic well, stone right. out of the circuit, just going to try and ban it federally. He's going he's to work his way in one way or the other, man. We want him out of our pharmacist's office too, right? Not just the doctor's office. Um, yeah. So I mean, what we're seeing is they continue to take action. So I believe this will remain in the news. I believe we will still have to groups like mine, candidates, we're, we still have to remind voters, voters have a lot going on, right? And so we still will have to make sure that they know. And and by the way, 2022 was, it didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen by chance. Candidates um, and groups and, and uh, you know, and, and other orgs spent a lot of time, a lot of money and a lot of effort to make sure that voters understand understood very clearly where people were, because it's clear where voters are, right? And so all we have to do is say, this is what we want to do, and this is what they want to do. And we know that it matters for their vote, but we have to break through the clutter. And so what I would say is, we do not expect it to lose saliency. As long as as people are trying to chip away at our rights, people will care about it, right? Until they get that back, they're going to care. Until the risk of a national ban is gone, they're going to care. Um, but but we have to we have to keep reminding them of it. And so, you know, those candidates still need your support. Groups still need your support. Like we're still going to have to keep doing the work. And if you see it, call it out. Right. We need to do the work on on social media and with our friends and f- family and all, all of that. You know, th- this is a good place to piggyback off of what you were just saying in terms of salience. I talked to the political director of NARAL and, you know, I, I hate to say this, um, his last name, Ryan, someone, his last name is, uh, is what is it? Rojane. Uh, Might have been. I I don't know for sure. But anyway, he but I I apologize to him right now. But one of the things he said to me was, you know, people talk about the salience going down of the issue, you know, not being as as uh, as top of mind. He said, I don't even think that there, you know, people really only had they had less than six months between the time the court case dropped and the time they went to the polls to absorb that decision. And he said, like, in political life, that is a short amount of time. And I kind of you kind of forget that because for some of us who are really tuned in, it was it was such a bombshell. Right. It was such a it was it just rocked your your world to think that we were suddenly going to go to a patchwork system of, you know, Mm -hmm. um, whether or not you could get abortion. But there's some people who were, to your point, like going about their business, doing their daily lives, didn't have time to really. Uh, think about it. And we saw this, and I don't know the exact numbers. There's uh, other people who can quote these off their head, but where in the states that, you know, abortion was on the ballot, for instance, in Michigan, where they were going to put it into the state constitution and whatever, you had really high turnout and particularly high Democratic turnout, young voter turnout. And in states where um, where abortion didn't feel like it was on the ballot, we had we under Democrats kind of, they didn't perform as well. They overperformed Biden's in the states where it was very clearly on the ballot and then were even with him or even underperformed him a little bit um, in the states where it wasn't as clearly on the ballot in some way. 
So I, I just want to I just want to uh, drive this home. You know, we did a um, in our Civics uh, Daily Coast co-branded poll that we did a couple months ago specifically on abortion, all abortion questions. Um, and it was right after this ruling on out of Texas on Mifepristone came down, you know, where this district, federal district judge is trying to ban access to this drug nationwide, right? And it still could happen, still could happen, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the question was basically, are you more concerned about a federal law or court decision restricting your access to abortion? Or are you more concerned about a federal law or court expanding access? So decreasing access, restricting access or expanding access. And the number of people who were concerned at this point about a federal law or court decision restricting their access was 44%. They're more concerned now. Um, the twenty-two, uh, the people who were saying that they were more concerned about federal decision expanding access was twenty-two percent. So the people worried about restriction were twice as many than the people who were, were worried about expansion. Right. And and then there was some people opted out and said, "I'm not concerned about either, whatever." But obviously, a very strong plurality is now concerned about having, you know, and some presumably some of these people are in bluer states, like California, or New York, or, you know, some places where they hadn't been thinking about it as much. And now they're very concerned. I imagine some of those people exist right where you are in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. where I thought, oh, we've got a Democratic governor, you know, we, you know, we're going to obviously going to have a battle here because we've got a conservative state legislature, but I'm not super worried about this. Well, now you got a 12 week ban. So, right. you know, here we are. That's right. It is. Um, I, I agree with that point. Right. I think for those of us who follow this legislation, we saw the leak. We saw and it was that was still shocking. The decision was still shocking. But we knew it was coming and we were prepared for it. And I think for a lot of people, I can tell you, we did, Emily's List, we did polling um, earlier in the cycle in 2021 after the Texas case had been, you know, after Texas's law had gone into effect, after the case had been announced and people just did not believe Roe could be overturned. They didn't believe it. And so I think there is something to that, right? The idea, the believability gap shrunk real, real fast, but could it shrink more? Probably. Yes. And, and could this still be an issue? It will absolutely still be an issue because it is a right that is still gone. Right. And the reality is this doesn't turn out Republicans because Republicans are, are on their way to getting what they want if, if they don't have it already. They want. And, yeah. And yeah. so for Democrats, we're the ones and, and Democrats. And, and by the way, the majority of this country, again, this is a 70 to 80 percent issue. Right. So the, for the majority of this country, this is a bridge too far. This is they did what they shouldn't have done. And I think the reality is the more we have these stories out there about these people who don't have access to care and what it means. And you've seen just story after story. There was a story in the Washington Post recently about a woman who was forced to bring her, her baby to term and give birth. And the baby died a very painful death after a few hours. And it talked about how, you know, that is not, that is, that is a a choice that was taken away from her, from, you know, and her doctor and her family um, and, and what it meant. And that's something, when you look at those stories, it just reminds people more and more, these are not decisions I want government to make. These are decisions that, you know, some of these, 
these are hard. Some of these involve medical issues and things like that. And when you look at the different bills and what they would require, if they have exceptions, what they might require to meet those exceptions, more and more you just remind people of what you're trying to do, which is take away control and give it to government. Yeah, Christina, you mentioned the story in the Washington Post. What's really been shocking to me and in a very, very good way is that these stories are all over People magazine. They're, they're in places that actually the non-political, non-newsy, middle America, quote unquote, are actually reading. And the stories are actually really good. And there's a lot of them. And they're all along those lines. They're not about, you know, the, the, the caricature of the person who's getting the abortion, right? Somebody who's careless and, and irresponsible and although... Why would you want somebody who's careless and irresponsible to have a baby? It's a different question. But it, it's it's real people really suffering. And there's a lot of them. And People Magazine seems to love the, I'm conservative, but now I realize. Right. right. <laughs> and yeah. I wonder. We need I mean, those, though. We need those conversion stories. Oh. I mean, you know, one one thing. One thing that that uh, that the same-sex marriage campaign really benefited from was people realizing, you know, people coming around, people thinking this doesn't affect my marriage, you know, people realizing that it was hurting them, and you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of really you know diehard LGBTQ activists who were like really pissy about people who were late to the game and coming around, but we need those conversion stories uh, that you're talking about, um, Marcos and. And, you know, another nightmare scenario is, and I've seen this story recently, too, and I've seen it several different times, is a, you know, woman who's of childbearing age, uh, wanting a kid, getting pregnant, having a miscarriage, but not being able to get the proper care in order to have yes. the, the miscarried baby taken out of the womb. And then because that would be the standard of care and the way to care, you know, the health standard of health care for someone having complications and having to have their all of you know their entire reproductive system out and then not being able to have kids anymore you know i mean and that that story is happening and that's not just a that's not a wives tale so no, i mean you're seeing more and more of these stories and and to your point marcos you're seeing them in in um in very broad outlets right you're seeing them in places you know this past year, Grey's Anatomy did a storyline on the fact that they can't get people to provide abortions, that, um, you know, that you can't get people to train as OBGYNs anymore because the laws are so strict and what they can and can't do and things like that. The unintended consequences of, or maybe, you know, maybe they were intended. Maybe it's just we want control and that's, and we'll take it any way we can. Um, but I think you're seeing more of these stories because you don't have to be a diehard liberal to know someone who's had a miscarriage, who's had trouble with trouble with their own fertility journey or had trouble with, with different medical issues to understand why people want this decision for themselves, why it should not be a government one size fits all. I'm going to tell you what to do with your body, with your future, with your health care. I think that's something that, um, that, that people can understand very, very clearly. And it's why the numbers are so clear in the polling. And it's why you're seeing Republicans, even as they act the other way, try and hide away from their issue a little bit. Right. And, you know, we're not going to let them get away with it. Um, I know you all won't either. But, you know, we will 
continue to make sure that voters see it, no matter what they try and convince people of. I'm fascinated. You know, you bring up the Republican reaction and, and there seems to be a, a sort of movement, not with the presidential candidates. They're trying to appeal to the religious right, which, which are reliable foot soldiers. Depending right, on which state they're in. Can I just make the distinction that what you, what you sure. have is a it's this is a disaster for Republican candidates. You've got Ron DeSantis, who decided, you know, who signed the six week ban going to Iowa and playing up his conservative bona fides. Here's his pro-life, you know, near total abortion ban um, in Iowa for the evangelicals there. But then he's going to New Hampshire, the live free or die state. And he doesn't want to talk about his abortion ban, his six week abortion ban, because not only is that an absolute killer for him in the in the general election, it is not going to do him any favors in New Hampshire. And he knows it regardless of what they have to, to work with in the Republican contest too, especially in the early states, right? Sorry. So, so go ahead. Yeah, no. So so now there's there's sort of a movement with the sort of the academic conservatives or or supposedly the the you know the, the smart ones who are saying like, guys, we're losing elections. We're looking at the math. Let's be reasonable and find a compromise. And the compromise is Americans are okay with twelve weeks or fourteen weeks or sixteen weeks and and obviously, it's not getting a lot of tractions because if you spend 50 years saying that abortion is murder, then saying like murder's fine for 16 weeks and then murder's not fine anymore. Like it does not follow. They created the conditions. But is 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 there any potential that Republicans can sort of chip away at that anti you know Republican consensus on abortion by them somehow getting around to adopting a quote that quote compromise, which is, you know, 16 weeks or 14 weeks? I think there's a few problems with it. Um, the first is, I think there are a lot of us who look at that and say, um, I don't think I should have to compromise on my rights, right? You know, it's too Absolutely. easy and you hear too many, you know, this is the grand idea of too many of the, you know, so-called conventional wisdom makers, right? Well, we just, you know, America's in the middle and it's like, well, Here's what we've seen. The more you ask people, if you say, would you prefer no restrictions or all restrictions, you know, they they lean no, right? No restrictions. And the more stories like this you tell, the more you remind people that abortions past a certain point are very rare and are usually because of, and when I say usually, I mean overwhelmingly, because of some massive medical challenge that needs to get dealt with, the government does not have the capacity to to work its way around and find the right, um, you know, find the right path to. And so the more stories we hear, I think the more people understand that actually that's a decision that should be between, you know, a woman and her doctor, right? That's a decision that should be between someone who needs abortion care and the person providing it and not Ted Cruz. And so to me, I think, um, um, I think that's that's one problem, right? Problem number two is that they won't agree to that. And we, you know, we know, like to your point, they have spent years saying end abortion. And you've got, you know, I like to point out that the Susan B. Anthony list, it's on their website. Their mission Which is, which by the way is the is the probably the premier anti-abortion conservative yeah. organization. It's Correct. the 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 all of the of the right, you know, yes. or the endless, yeah. exactly. And they are, you know, they tried to. They stood next to Lindsey Graham when he did his, you know, supposed compromise bill. They are smart political 
activists. And so they know that they need to slow walk their way there. But if you go to their mission on their website, it says our goal is to end abortion. Period. The end. end, Right. Not end abortion after X number of weeks End abortion. And so um, voters, I think, um, I, you know, we always do a disservice when we, when we um, underestimate voters ability to see through that, that BS. I will, I will keep it. Yeah. Um, and so, um, to me, that's why that sort of thing won't work because they are always looking for ways to, we'll get you to here and then we're going to go further and then we're going to go further. Florida had a ban that was not as bad. And then they decided to pass, you know, but, but was still yeah. a ban, right. And still caused it was, what 15 weeks, I think, was it 15 or 20 after the 22 election too? Yes. Yeah. And, then they, and then they passed a six week ban. Right. And, you know, Beyond that, you've seen, we've seen what happens when you, you know, my, my, where my third, fourth issue, whatever my next issue is, um, is that we've seen the thing that they've tried to do when, when Roe, when we still had the protections of Roe, is they have tried to get rid of access, right? They've tried to make that harder. So you make it harder for clinics to be able to operate. You make it harder for providers to be able to provide care if they don't have, for example, privileges at a hospital or things like that. Um, you do all these things. You make someone go in and then come in 24 hours later, which is a problem if they have to travel or get off work or things like that, right? They have worked incredibly successfully in many places to make access so hard that you can't get, you know, that, that, that compromise isn't actually 14 weeks. It's next to impossible. Right. Right. Hey, you know, let's, um, this is a good uh, spot to talk about North Carolina specifically mm-hmm. and where you guys are seeing opportunity, you know, sure. potentially, you know, if you want to give us a list here, announce your yeah. list of Harry, states where you're going to invest, you know, extra money. We, we, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't object to you breaking news. Carrie <laughs> right has here. adopted, Carrie has adopted North Carolina and, and we just had the uh, Democratic Party um, chairwoman from North Carolina. Clinton, isn't she fantastic? And, and she was, oh, she's so she good. Was, yeah, we're all we're all completely like blown away. We're, we're and, all Anderson stands now. That's <laughs> same here. I'm a huge fan. I'm so excited for my. You know, I live here. I am. Um, I take a really personal interest in this. Anderson's doing a fantastic job. Uh, at, at Emily's List, we were very pr- we worked very hard with Governor Cooper, with many allies on the ground in 2018 to break that supermajority, so that Governor Cooper we could we could sustain his veto, and uh, you know we um, we've got some terrible gerrymandering, some terrible lines around here, um, and we faced an uphill fight. We kept it by one seat, and then Trisha Cotham flipped, and and we have now lost the supermajority. Um, I I could not be prouder of the work of Governor Cooper and so many of our legislators. Um, you know, Natalie Murdoch, who's who used to be my um, my state senator, Julie Von Hafen, Sydney Batch, the number of them who have gone around, who campaigned on the issue, who made sure that people understood. There were four legislators who had who had. Camp, who are now Republicans who had campaigned on the idea that they don't want a further ban and then voted for it. And I am looking forward to taking every one of those seats back, right? Yes. We have to wait until there are lines to see who we're recruiting and who we're with. Um, and, you know, at Emily's List, we're, we're, we're only with the, with the ladies, but, um, but I'll go knock a door for, you know, for a, for a dude if he's running against one of them. But I think, um, 
Uh, voters, you know, voters don't like it. They did an incredibly unpopular thing and we're going to make them pay for it because that is not where this state is. It is not, I think it is not where, where they told voters they were. And, um, and so we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that they have to pay for that. I think we're looking at Emily's list. I, I, I don't have news to break, but I can tell you there, you know, there are states that we're always looking, sorry, um, but we're kind of looking a little bit of everywhere, right? New Hampshire, um, that legislature, which is very large. Um, and as you mentioned, live free or die, that is real for them, right? Like that mm-hmm. is a state where um, it is a pro-choice state. Um, and we're going to look, you know, they're, they're close. I mean, you know, um, they have a, a lot of legislators. So, you know, but, but I, that's a, we're going to look to try and flip that one. Um, we're going to look to either make up ground or flip, you know, flip legislatures in places like Arizona. You know, very glad we have the governor's mansion there. Katie Hobbs has had to veto some bad bills. We want to make sure, you know, let's let's pass some good ones instead. And we're uh, not far in Arizona. Arizona no, is very, very far, close. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, we're always looking at places like Wisconsin, right? We want to protect the ground that we made. We're going to get new maps. I mean, hasn't happened yet, but yeah, that, that is the expectation with the there Supreme Court. Speaking of another great state chair, um, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna continue to. I mean, obviously, we have to protect. When you look at the amazing work that Minnesota has done, that Michigan has done, um, you know, we want to highlight them around the country, but we also want to protect them and make sure they can keep doing it. You know, we'll be looking around the country. I try. My coworkers would tell you I only care about North Carolina, and that's not totally true. But it is my number one focus. So I applaud you for starting there. Yeah, if exactly. We, Let let's just talk if we about that. Go ahead. North Carolina. Yeah, then I don't yep. see a map for the Republicans in winning the White House. I don't see okay. uh, the Senate becomes a lot more difficult because we're really we're really running out of uh, of uh, winnable seats because you know they hold yep. a lot of seats in places like North and South Dakota and Wyoming and Nebraska, mm-hmm. and so and uh, and obviously that the the House um, majority is is razor thin, and, and so North Carolina is is. That's really our most re- our more most realistic pickup opportunity anytime yeah. in the future. And I get we got longer term projects, but yeah. Well, and I, I don't want to call out something in North Carolina. If anyone doubts the salience of this issue, Emily's list is not in the governor's race. Um, but jo- Josh Stein is an old boss of mine. He's um, he's out there talking about. Um, talking about abortion. Um, Rachel Hunt, who is a, a state senator who Emily's List has been with in the past. We are, we're not in this race yet, but I, but I don't know if you saw. When she got in the race, she announced with an ad about abortion. Which race? I've been t- in the lieutenant, lieutenant governor. Um, uh, Twitter refused to let, they keep pulling it down as paid, um, as paid advertising. And, um, you know, can I just announce? Can I go ahead? Yeah. Can I just say what she said? I've been trying to work this in for like 10 minutes and I'm dying to do it. Um, So yeah, yeah, no. Well, because she started, she started her campaign by saying, I'm, I'm running for Lieutenant governor. I'm Rachel Hunt and I'm running for Lieutenant governor because the Republican plan isn't this year's 12 week abortion ban. It's next year's total abortion ban. And that is such good framing, such Mm -hmm. good framing. And I'm just super excited about North Carolina because you all have a shot at that framing. Number one, they're coming back for more. Not only are you surprised that they got this through, but they're coming back for more. Um, And you've got, you know, you've got Anderson Clayton um, on the ground with this, you know, the new state chair with a lot of fresh energy trying mm-hmm. to make sure that 
the 44 um, leg state legislative races that didn't have anyone running in them last year. They're going to there's not going to be a single uncontested seat. And then you're going to have the um, national financial backing to some extent of of the Biden campaign, which is already, you know, placing ads there and then looking at North Carolina as a flippable state. I mean, that is a trifecta that is amazing. And now I'll stop and let you. you know. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I, I think that this is a state that absolutely will matter. And for those who think you know, when we look at these states and sometimes we look at them and we think, well, it's a it's a longer term, right? Like we're in it for the longer term and things like that. Michigan and Minnesota sure flipped, right? Like that, those happened. You know, we, Georgia, you know, has flipped, has flipped federally. We got to work on the legislature, but we're going to get there and we can make a huge difference. And so I think, you know, it's my regular reminder every time I come on here, I think I remind people, but, you know, look all the way down the ballot, right? I don't have to say that to people who listen to YouTube, but um, make sure you're paying attention because right now that's where your rights are decided. And, you know, it doesn't take as many as many votes to flip a seat, right? It doesn't take as much money. It doesn't, you know, we, good candidates can do great things. It's, and one of the reasons you all talk to her, but I'm so excited about Anderson Clayton is that she knows that um, there are rural Democrats, right? We, we cannot give up on those rural areas. There are places um, and people who understand and, you know, they want their rights. They understand what's at stake and, um, and they're with us. And so let's go get them. Yeah, Mississippi is a long-term project. <laughs> South Carolina is a long-term project. North Carolina is now. Yeah. And it's very, That's very, right. very flippable. That is all the time we have with Christina. But Christina, no, seriously, thank you so much. And I hope you, you'll come back. We'll get you back on as we get closer. And we have some candidates that we want to talk about because I know you guys are going to get behind some great people. And we'll want to focus some more on the candidates as we get closer to that right. time. But I uh, really appreciate sort of this bigger picture discussion on how abortion continues to be such a salient issue. And just as, as, as you know, you say goodbye, if there's anything you want to say about Emily's list that you want to you want to tell people? No, I mean, I, you know, listen, we um, we have always supported pro-choice. It's always been one of our criteria um, to support Democratic pro-choice women. Um, we continue to do it because we know it matters that we all need um, the rights to make our own decisions. And we're and we're proud to be here. And, you know, come look us up. We do support some great candidates. Um, we're it's early in the cycle, although today is, you know, we, we've got uh, we've got elections, you know, for for primary happening um, in Virginia. And we are uh, grateful for the for the time to talk about it. And, and I just want to say we do support races up and down the ballot and always grateful for the attention that you all give to those all the way up and down. Yeah, yeah we're kindred spirits. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank Christina you. Reynolds is the senior vice president at Emily's List. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon for sure. Thanks so much. Carrie, that 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 scratched your uh, North Carolina itch. It <laughs> sure did. It sure did. I, I I almost for some reason forgot that she was based in North Carolina, and then as soon as she said North, I was like, oh yes, okay, all right. We've got a we've got a genuine Tar Heel right here, ready to ask uh, uh, answer questions about um, the state in particular. But you know what I loved was hearing her talk about the flippable legislatures, the flippable, um, you know, legislative seats, because those are those races, those down ballot races um, are the races that help, you know, it's like a rising tide lift all boat lifts all boats, you know, but those are the races that help 
fuel a bigger statewide flip, right? Um, they help protect the, you know, they help protect the constituents of the state because that's, that's where the juice is locally is, uh, uh, whether or not you can, as to whether or not you can stop an abortion ban or you can help, you know, you can create the situation to, to codify rights, abortion access and rights. You know, those down ballot races are the makings of blue waves, of waves, because, you know, you've got it. And, and if we have, you know, some, I keep on thinking about the, lackluster showing or the sort of not, you know, we didn't have great turnout in New York, in California, and some of these congressional districts. That cost us the house. That was literally the margin. It cost us the house. So like, you know, when I think about this issue that I think a lot of blue state folks were like, oh, I can't imagine this is going to touch me, you know, because California keeps on passing, you know, more protective measures, more abortion access, more, you know, trying to help people, you know, be like uh, an abortion safe haven for for people in states that can't get them in some of the red states. You know, our state legislature is doing everything it can to make sure those rights are available, not just to our constituents, but to you know, constituents all over the country. But what what that Mifepristone ruling brought to light was the fact that a federal district judge can have an effect on abortion access in your state. And so this is not just, you know, we're not we're not free from being impacted by this just because we live in a blue state. And I think that there are a lot of people who that settled in for over the past year and are going to show up hopefully to vote with great enthusiasm because of that in some of these places where turnout turnout was really good in states where they had we yeah. had huge maga election deniers and we had abortion on the ballot um, but in some of these other states it it w- didn't didn't uh, really you know meet up yeah and you know there, there's always presidential year election turnout which is also uh, which is one of the reasons, and it's a topic for a different show. It's why a lot of these Biden district Republicans have done such a poor job of of distancing themselves from the MAGA Republicans that are running the House. Uh, they're going to be in, in, in a lot of trouble. And, and one of those issues that's obviously abortion is that they, they keep ending up on the wrong side of the votes on those issues. So it will be salient. Uh, you know, I always, I always feel so vindicated that... Uh, that we talked, we started talking about this very, very early on in the podcast experience, you know, existence, how this was going to be the issue. And it's, and it's going to be the issue. And when you see polls, <clears throat> when you see polls that say that voters care more about the economy, that's what the polls said last year, too. It don't matter. Voters will <laughs> say certain things. There is less, there, there is less faith than politicians can do something about the economy, which is, you know, trapped to global trends and it's hard to complain about Biden and inflation when inflation's high, literally in the entire world, right? It's not Biden. It's well, and higher. I mean, yeah. you know, actually, Biden has done a better job. I mean, the, our country is in a stronger position right now than really any other Western nation in terms of recovering from the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And those issues are, you know, people will say, yeah, I care about the economy, but there's literally something they can do this moment about their abortion rights. And that's why that's what they voted on last year. And that's what they're going to go vote on next year. And and the ongoing story is how the Republican Party cannot find its way. I mean, even that that 16, 14 week compromise is such bullshit, but at least it would give them a talking point to try to diffuse the issue. It's say, oh, we're so reasonable. Let's find the common ground. Right. And it would be total. They can't even go. They can't even go there. That's how. Well, yeah, the, the, 
Well, the pr- the problem is, is that the groups that have been polling this realize that they can't, a total abortion ban would totally screw them nationally, right? And they realize that, which is why the Susan B. Anthony, the premier, you know, uh, anti-abortion group is trying to get people to coalesce around the 15-week abortion ban. That's what they're saying. Oh, this is going to be acceptable if we used 15 weeks rather than, you know, the zero weeks that we want to get down to, you know, then we can potentially win next year. So that's what that's the pledge that they're pushing for their presidential candidates. The problem is, is that the voters on the ground in, for instance, Iowa couldn't care less about a 15 week ban. They don't want that. They want the total ban and they want to hear their, um, you know, the base, the GOP primary voters, which you have to remember aren't really just Republican voters overall. I mean, that's bad enough. But the GOP primary voters are like the most rabid of the rabid, right? I mean, just like on the Democratic side. I mean, we're not rabid, but I'm just saying, <coughs> you know. the Dem- strident. Yeah. <laughs> Democ- we're the cream of the crop. <laughs> <laughs> we're principled. <laughs> What I'm saying is that, you know, the bluest voters come out in the, the most liberal voters, you yeah, know, the diehards come out in the in the in primaries. No, absolutely. It's, it's your party in the primaries. And the same is true on the on the Republican side. The thing is, is that the most liberal voters in this country are much closer to what most Americans want than the reddest voters in this country who are just completely off the charts, like extreme from what the rest of America wants. And so there, it doesn't matter what Susan B. Anthony is telling the Republican candidates is going to be acceptable. That's not going to be good enough for the primary voters in, you know, in Iowa or the primary voters in, you know, in the presidential or the primary voters elsewhere for, for down ballot, um, you know, down ballot issues. And if you want, you want another example besides Iowa, look at what happened in Pennsylvania last year. I mean, you know, they started out in the Pennsylvania Senate. Um, they had this debate and between, you know, Oz, the prime GOP primary between uh, 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 Mehmet Oz and David McCormick. And I can't remember Kathy, someone who was the, who was an, a third um, state uh, um, third party or third ca- candidate who was trying to get in there. And it was, and they just, they went down the abortion rabbit hole. And before you knew it, Oz, who was kind of like moderate on the issue and McCormick, who was somewhat moderate on the issue. He's a, he's a former hedge fund CEO. They're, they're like, they're pledging yeah. their, their life and loyalty to like no, no abortions, you know, maybe some exceptions for, for rape and incest, but that's it, you know, or, it or the life it of the was, mother. It's, yeah. It was, it was a race to the bottom it and that that's going to happen in a lot of GOP primaries. So that's, and sorry, this is the difference. Lengthy. Yeah. And that's the difference between us and them is that a lot of times when we're pushing the parties for things that are more popular, it's like be better on protecting social security. That is a very <laughs> base liberal demand and and our, our candidates are sometimes are, they want to be moderate. And so they find that middle ground that doesn't exist. There's no you don't. That's not how American center works. It's not you split the difference. It's it's right. there are issues like Social Security that are very, very popular. There are issues like a, that freedom of abortion that are very popular. Protect, you don't split the difference. Protect that is our the American center. That is protect the American our, center. Protect so, our bodily autonomy. I mean, you and, know, that's. That's what we're wanting. That's not what Republicans want anymore. No. They don't want to protect bo- the freedom of bodily autonomy. 
And so Republicans are their primary voters are pushing them away from the American mainstream. That's that's sort of the difference. And that has to be our show today, Carrie. But <laughs> thanks to you. Thank you for being such an amazing co-host. Thanks to Christina Reynolds for joining us and uh, being such a dynamic, amazing guest. God, I love her. And I can't wait to have her back to talk uh, more about the 2024 election cycle. Thanks to Walter, who uh, who produces the show. Thanks to Paul, who helps behind the scenes. And thank you, the reader, viewer, listener, for everything that you do for Daily Coast. And uh, please spread the word. Let everybody know about us. And thank you for everything you do for our movement, because we could not do this without you. So thank you so very much. Catch you all next week.